and God cares about this building and he cares about the churches that sprinkle the landscape of this nation. And if you go to Europe today, you'll see cathedral after cathedral that were beautiful and they're empty. And if we don't get right in this nation, that's going to happen. Look around you at the sloth. Look at the empty pews. Look at the big gaps. They didn't want to hear the truth. Believe in something today. Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the sermon. You can't know Jesus like you must know Jesus unless you get to him through the people of God on the earth, the body of Christ. There is no way to have a personal relationship with Jesus if you refuse to have a personal relationship with his body. And the body of Christ are the people sitting on your right and your left. Extra ecclesium nulla salus. Outside the church, there is no salvation. What do the scriptures say about your salvation? I'm gonna show you many things this morning, and I want to challenge you because I'm going to read passages of scripture that you are very familiar with, and that in some cases, in fact, in many cases, makes my job more difficult. It's when you're more familiar with a passage when you tend to relax your mind more. But I'm gonna read passages that you have heard. So you gotta work harder because I promise you there's truth there you haven't seen. There's something beautiful there you need. And if you just relax and you don't use your faith because faith comes by hearing, not by sitting and enduring. It comes by hearing, it comes by listening. I asked a question, it was a loaded question, several Sunday nights ago when Pastor Chase is doing Q&A. And I asked the question really loudly. I'm gonna ask it again. Can lukewarm Christians go to heaven? We began the series deliberately reminding everyone that the entire universe came from a three, not a one. This is really important to understand. You, you can't read the Bible inspired by the Holy Spirit and see it right if, if you are viewing everything through your eyes. Your challenge in life is to learn to see it through God's eyes. Every time you read the Bible, see it through his eyes, not yours. Yours get you in all kinds of trouble. Your eyes, your mind, your ears, this is the source of all of your pain and suffering. So if you want to avoid that pain and suffering, you have this simple challenge. Learn to see through his eyes. Listen with his ears. Understand with his heart. See, then that's how you avoid problems. And so I began by reminding everybody, the, the universe, the wood that made this pulpit, materials we, we got out of the air, out of the elements to create this building, the light bulbs, electricity, all of this, everything in here, you, the, the material that made your skin in your mother's womb, everything in this room has its origin and beginning in three, Father, Son, and Spirit. And they, say they, it's the creation story. They said, let us, and so this is important for you to remember because it teaches you a simple principle of life in God. There is no me. It's not about me. One is not enough. In fact, the creation story says three isn't enough. 
because the divine us, Father, Son, and Spirit, said to themselves, this isn't enough. There needs to be more people. There needs to be more. Three is not enough. Let's, let us make man in our, say our, our image, and after our likeness, our. He did not say, let me make man like me, thinking like me. It was we's and ours, ours, us, we. This is the language of God because he is three. So if three is not enough, then you cannot isolate yourself from the body of Christ. The principles of what a church is and what members are and why we must come together on the first day of the week faithfully, all of those principles were there in the heart of God when he first breathed into Adam. The church is not something God decided on a whim thousands of years after a total disaster. I'm gonna make a church. That's what I'll try, I'll try that. These people are horrible. I gotta do something, I'm gonna make a church. No, the church was in the heart of your creator before Adam was formed. It has always been in his heart and his plan. And so the we, the us, the our image, that kind of talking, the church is your we, it is your us, it is your our, and it is not about you. If you don't see this as the most fundamental element of the universe, that you are made to require other people, you cannot understand the principles of the Bible. You will not see them. You can't, you're blinded by a wrong opinion. And so what is the root of all wickedness and evil? It's selfishness. There are many theories about what is the ultimate evil, and I've talked about this, but I review it deliberately. I want you to remember. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, many people don't understand the analogy. The root is just piping. All the scriptures are telling us is that there is a pathway that nourishes and feeds evil. You know, when I go to get a drink at home, I don't fill up my glass with pieces of pipe and drink the pipe plastic or the copper. No, a pipe is just a channel. I drink what comes through the pipe. It's important to remember that because if the love of money is the root, roots are pipes, they're channels. It's just a pathway so that some other substance can flow through the love of money to nourish literally everything on the planet that's wicked. So the question is, what's flowing through the pipes? It's not the love of money that's flowing through the pipes. The love of money is the pipes. There is something more sinister and more evil than the mere love of money that's going through the pipe. It's the objective, it is selfishness. You know, I could lie, but I don't necessarily have to lust in order to lie. How many of you agree with that? Now, but when I lie, it is always connected to selfishness. I can't lie and be selfless. That's impossible. It's because selfishness is more pungent evil. I could lust for someone or something and through lusting, not necessarily have to lie. Do you agree with that? Listen carefully, that's true. But I could never lust after someone or something 
and in the process of lusting, not be selfish. Did you hear what I'm saying? It's because selfishness is the anti-God. It is against the very created order of the universe because everything came from a we, an us, an our. It didn't come from a me. And so if you want to find Satan, you can always find him in selfishness, the, the big I. And the prophet was blessed in the Old Testament to look backwards and to see what happened when Satan fell from heaven and lost his position of authority. And you read the words of Lucifer. He said, I will ascend to the Most High, and I will be like the Most High. And he repeats the word I, 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 over and over and over and over. And this is the great trap of Lucifer today, to let you hear the gospel only with a twist. Satan wants you to hear the gospel as long as it's all about you, about your personal salvation, and we have a whole movement of Christians that are in rebellion against the principles of the Bible who have not understood this great deception. They're homeschoolers. And the homeschooling is a divine, wonderful, beautiful thing. But they have latched onto a spirit of retreatism and escapism and selfishness, and they are holed up in their basements with their families, and they want nothing to do with an organized church in the town they live in. This is wrong. It is tragically, tragically sinful and disobedient because it is rooted in selfishness. Even a pagan who does not know Jesus Christ would, would prefer to have his foreign no more. Anyone can do that. But God didn't so love himself that he gave the world his only begotten son. He so loved the world. He cares about other people. I, turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. And, and I'll say to the same person, you may not realize this, but you do need me too. This is so important because I'm gonna show you something. Here, here's the thing, everybody knows this. Ephesians chapter two says, I am saved by, see, you knew that. I am saved by, say a little bit louder, I'm getting older. What? Grace. You're saved by what? Grace. You did not get the grace directly in a red phone from God. There's a pathway through which grace came to you. You were saved by grace and grace comes from who? Jesus Christ. But Jesus, listen to me. If evil needs pipes, listen to me. If evil needs a channel, it needs a root system, it needs pathways, so does goodness. See, and this is the thing people, we're, we're trying to have all the water of God without his plumbing. Have you ever tried to be nourished by water and you didn't have a bucket to hold it in? Or what about having a bucket and no water to fill it? If you want to enjoy water, you have to have a way to get it to your mouth. God is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But you're going to have to somehow get the Lord to your spiritual mouth. 
And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. There is a, there is a, a plumbing set, a channel, a pathway that grace flows through. There are exceptions because the God of grace has every right, if he wills and desires, to interrupt all of world history and step in and do what he wants to do. He can save by many or by few, and he can do that. But it's very important that you realize that is very rare, and it's the exception. Very few individuals on this planet have ever met God face-to-face in an extraordinary way when they were alone. There are exceptions, Moses. But isn't it interesting that the God of eternal selflessness, who is the antithesis of selfishness, Satan, said and promised this, wherever two or more of you are gathered together in my name, then I'll come and be with you. He said that for a reason. You have no promise in the Bible that you personally alone will come upon a burning bush and get to talk to God face to face, eventually at the top of a mountain for 40 days. He doesn't do that for everybody. In fact, he's only done it for two that I know of, Jesus and Moses. And even if you got invited, like the disciples that stumbled up the mountain with Jesus, the Mount of Transfiguration, even if you got, even if you, if you what do you call that when you, when you ruin a party? What do you call it? Crash, even if you crash the party of the glory. Somebody did that to the president last year. Some, some people crashed a, a party in the White House and the Secret Service looked like the bungling goofs. And it it was all in the media. I thought it was really funny. But really, this happened even to God. There were people that crashed a glory party at the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples. But they were so dull that they fell asleep during this thing. Jesus is transfigured before them and they're sleeping. (laughs) So there's exceptions. The The problem with the church is when everybody thinks they are the exception. And then we got trouble. Because if you think you're the exception... You're probably selfish. It's all about you. It's always safer to assume you're not the exception. If God chooses sovereignly to make you an exception, you can't do anything to stop him. He'll just do what he wants to do. There there are a few exceptions where uh, the scripture refers to a couple of particular prophets that they, unique from others, were called from the very womb of their mother. That is a direct red line phone from God to the man. And that's rare. And the proof was in the pudding. They accomplished unusual and extraordinary feats before they died. And we know that the passages of the Bible tell us that God loves us dearly. And he does know the number of hairs on our head. I mean, I love my wife and my children, but I would never even think to sit and count their hair. So there's no question that God is deeply, deeply in love with you. That's not an issue. The question I have is, are you deeply, deeply in love with yourself? See, that's the problem. See, Jesus can be in love with you like that, but you probably shouldn't be counting your own hairs (laughs) and taking selfies of yourself. And aren't I hot? (laughs) See, Jesus can be deeply in love with you. It's just that you can't be deeply in love with you. You're listening to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. 
Don't miss the conclusion of this sermon after these messages. Our country is no longer in need of a great awakening. America is in need desperately of a resurrection. And there's a difference between a resurrection and a great awakening. In far too many American churches, the Great Commission has been reduced. The emphasis is on really getting people ready to die. But the church is not here to get people prepared to die so much as we're here to equip people and how to truly live. I've written a new book that talks about this. It's called A Storm, A Message, A Bottle. You can get a copy of the book at beyondthewallsradio.com. God bless you. Welcome back to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. It's interesting when it comes to interpreting the Bible, the Bible says, it was Peter that said it, the scripture is of no private interpretation. And every heresy and every cult and every demonic doctrine that has ever walked the face of the earth was some guy telling you that Jesus appeared to him in his bedroom and gave him a new revelation just between him and Jesus. And there was selfishness there. And we're warned that since the universe was created with more than one, it stands to reason the three, the we, the us, the our, who wrote and inspired that book, does not accept the idea of you holding off alone in your room, deciding that you alone get to interpret everything the we, us, and our wrote. It doesn't make any sense. We're to submit one to another. So if I want Jesus, if I want more Jesus, here's the pathway I find more Jesus, the people next to me. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water to someone on a hot day, you've done it to me. Jesus takes how you view the people sitting next to you personally. If you treat them bad and you are ugly to them, you're treating Jesus bad. It's very difficult to remain selfish with teaching like this, but people manage to do it. Go to Ephesians. I wanted to say that again. I wanted you to hear it again. God uses tools. He is not afraid of using a means. There is a means to being saved in the flood of Noah. We talked about this. The means was God saved Noah and all the posterity, which is all of us, that came from Noah having offspring. Had it not been for God saving Noah, I posit to you, you would not be alive today. Did you know that Noah is your great, 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 grandfather? Yeah, so, so God already saved you the first time by saving Noah. You hear me? If he hadn't saved Noah, he wouldn't have saved you. Because if Noah had drowned, you wouldn't have been born. Somebody, I mean, we thank God for saving us through Jesus, but maybe just for a minute, let's just say thank God for saving us by Noah. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and say it. Thank you, Lord. If you hadn't have sent Noah to save my, my posterity and my, my genes... If my genes hadn't, if my DNA hadn't made it here, Jesus would never have gone to the cross. There wouldn't have been a Mary. So let's back this salvation thing up just a minute. See, the early church did this. They understood this. It is a composite. He literally 
you understand how people have babies and they grow up and have babies? God saved you the first time by saving Noah. Because he saved Noah, there could be a mother Mary to give birth to the Christ child. So salvation keeps repeating and sending us the same message. In the beginning, everything went sideways because of a tree. There was a tree in the midst of the garden. They were told, don't eat that fruit. They did it anyway. They disobeyed. They fell from grace because grace is always connected to obedience. You don't get grace when you disobey. That's not, grace is not there for when you disobey. Grace leaves when you disobey. See, the church has got this just backwards. They say, well, you get, grace is against law. No, it's not. Grace is because of law. See, we lost grace in the garden. They fell from grace when they disobeyed the law of God. The law was don't eat that tree. At the end of time, Revelation 2, I think it's verse 7, there's another tree planted in the midst of the garden. So Jesus saved you. He died at the cross. He was buried and he was resurrected on the third day. And he's ascended to the Father and sat down and given gifts to men. We're going to look at some of those gifts this morning if we have time so you can understand how the pipes work with grace. And you're saved by grace. You, the individual person, the one that Jesus loves and God loves and he loves you so much he's counted all the hairs on your head. You're saved because of grace, but it got to you sideways. Turn to your neighbor and say, grace flows sideways. See, the body of Christ needs to bust this myth that grace is vertical. It comes straight from God to the person. It's not true. It's just not. Grace flows sideways. That's why Jesus said, if you give somebody a cup of cold water, it's the same as you giving it to me. Grace was flowing from you and your kindness, your thoughtfulness, your compassion for another human. Grace flowed sideways into them. Love your neighbor as your grace flows sideways. And it flowed sideways and went right back up the plumbing all the way to heaven. And it was just like you gave Jesus a glass of water. But as soon as you throw the plumbing out, which is the body of Christ, and you go off and have your own private Bible study in your basement, you, you don't have grace. And your success rate will be exactly identical to the people who did not listen to Noah and would not get inside the ark. So God saved my soul when he saved Noah. He had, had he not saved Noah, I wouldn't have a grandfather. I wouldn't be here. And salvation and the we, the us, the our, the three, the church has always been eternally in the heart of God since the very beginning. And so we screwed everything up over a tree. Don't eat it, we did it anyway. So then God, I always want to say beaver wood, but it's not beaver wood. It's badger wood. What? what? Gopher wood. Beavers, badgers, and gophers. God says to Noah specifically, go and get gopher wood. Must be something really good about gopher wood. God made the laws of physics. He, it, was, it was him that designed the, the laws of buoyancy. And so he saved Noah by giving him the plan and the wisdom and the knowledge on how to take trees, chop them down, stick them together with tar, gave him the whole architectural design on how to harness the pre-existing divine law of buoyancy that God designed and made when he made everything at the beginning. He showed him how to harness the law. Say law. He showed him how to, to use the law to help him find the grace to rise above death. 
a law of buoyancy, it's a law. He had grace because grace allows one to rise above the penalty of breaking the law. It's all there in a beautiful metaphor. You see the, the grace of God in the wood that made the ark and it came from a particular kind of tree. So God used a tree to save a race of people, to save all people, because a tree was where we all fell from grace. And the ark was made of wood and God saved you then first, physically. And then through Jesus, he saved you eternally and spiritually. So you needed Noah to save you physically so you could be born. You needed Jesus to save you so you could be born again. Have you ever had anybody tell you that before? I mean, really, it's a New Testament church. Thank you, Lord, for Noah. Noah saved me so I could be born. Jesus saved me so I could be born again. And the lesson and the message is the same in both cases. And through the tree of the cross, Calvary, God constructed a mighty and beautiful church. You have to be in the church in the same way that those who repented needed to be in the ark because grace flows sideways. The grace to rise above the death that comes through disobedience to the law of buoyancy in the ark. The grace was given only and exclusively to Noah. Noah had it. He implemented the plans that were given to him. And if you cooperated with the plans under the authority and leadership of Noah, whom God himself sent, say sent, then only could you be saved by the love of God. Ephesians chapter five, God sent apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He gave them the architectural design of what a church would be and how it be, would be constructed from the wood of the cross. And it is only through them and beneath their leadership because God selected and sent them to you can you go inside the realm of their domain that God has given them and be saved from the wrath that is coming. In fact, at the end of time, Revelation chapter two, there's another tree, we talked about that. It's in the midst of paradise again. This is the tree of life and the command is given, go and eat the fruit of it so that you can live eternally. It is a means, it is a tool. The ark didn't save you, God did, but the ark was the tool. The wood of the cross didn't save you. Jesus was the tool of the Father God, and God saved you through his only begotten son, Jesus. And Jesus was willing to suffer that. Can you say amen? So the Bible teaches that Father God saved me through Jesus. And yet, after all this extraordinary eternal life purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, in Revelation at the end, we're told that we still have to obey and go eat the fruit of the tree of life. Now, I, I'm hoping we've turned things around and no one will be dumb enough to screw that up. But I'm telling you, it is a bookend truth. We screwed up everything when we were told not to eat from a tree and we went ahead and did it anyway. And it caused death in the end of time despite everything Jesus has done for everyone. If God says, go eat from that tree, go eat it now, and you say, I don't wanna eat that, it's not the right color. 
I don't prefer fruit. I like vegetables. You will get death the same way through disobedience that they got death in the Garden of Eden. It's a means, same means. It's a tool, and the church is a tool. The church does not save your soul. This building cannot save your soul. I am without the power to save your soul. There are no people that can save your soul independent and of their own volition. But the body of Christ did save your soul at the cross.